That was the opening music from Warner Brothers' Blazing Saddles, released in 1974. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews. And you can find us on the web at classicmoviereviews.net or on iTunes at just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And uh, I'm Matt Johnson, recording from Seattle, Washington. And I'm Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles, and welcoming everybody back to our classic movie reviews. Yeah, so this week we're talking about another Mel Brooks movie. We did we did Young Frankenstein a few episodes ago, and we both loved, absolutely loved Young Frankenstein. 1974 was a banner year for Mel Brooks. He uh, had Blazing Saddles come out in February of that year, and then in December of that year, Young Frankenstein, and between the two of them, the box office for the movies was over $200 million. And I think each of the movies cost about $3 million each. Wow. So they were big money makers, man. Big money makers, yeah. And I, I, I was surprised when I was doing some research on Blazing Saddles. It was nominated for three Academy Awards. Oh, you're kidding. Which ones? Uh, Madeline Kahn was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, then it was nominated for Best Film Editing and Best Music, Original Music. Yeah, the music the music was good. I like the the mu- the music. To me, felt like it could come right could have come right out of a western from the '40s. You know. Oh well, the opening with Frankie Lane singing "Blazing Saddles." Mm-hmm. They uh, he, he uh, Frankie Lane uh, asked to be. Uh, 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 signed on to do that music and he thought it was a real western he didn't know at the time that it was going to be a comedy so he gave it the full frankie lane treatment because he did a lot of uh opening songs for westerns and then they added the whip and all that later which is hilarious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't know that he, he didn't, going in he didn't know that uh, i wonder what he thought about that after he found out that it was a comedy <laughs> yeah the article i read didn't say his reaction <laughs> I bet he, he was well, he either was he either thought it was great or he was probably or he might have been upset about it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, so I um, I, uh, I kind of like we were saying before we got started. I I was going into this with really high expectations uh just from watching Young Frankenstein and from what I remember of this movie and I have to say I haven't watched it for probably 30 years and so as I was watching it, I kept waiting for it to get really funny. And it it never really got to that point where I was just laughing like I was during Young Frankenstein. There were some parts that I thought were funny, and there were some scenes like the infamous bean, beans around the campfire scene. I love that one.
some more beans, Mr. Taggart. I'd say you've had enough. That never, <laughs> yeah. that'll never get old. <laughs> that was, I, I read again that that was the first time in a movie that uh, flatulence had been uh, put on the screen. I thought, boy, what a way to be remembered. It wasn't, it wasn't just a little bit either, man. It went on for like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I it was I enjoyed the movie and I, I gave it a fairly good review, but not nearly uh, the level of uh, fun that I had with Young Frankenstein. I really really enjoyed uh, Harvey Corman. Oh yeah, he was good as, as Hedley Lamar. <laughs> he was really good. He played that off perfectly. I thought he was just I, I, the right amount of smarmy. And right here, Mr. Lamar, is where we run into the quicksand. Quicksand, quicksand, splendid. And so the railroad has got to go through Rock Ridge. Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge, splendid. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Rock Ridge, Rock Ridge. Be still, Taggart, be still. Yes, sir. My mind is aglow with whirling transient nodes of thought, careening through a cosmic vapor of invention. Ditto. Ditto. Ditto, you provincial putz. I'm sorry, sir. Plan. Plan. Need a plan. He was. It was. It was, it was <laughs> and Slim Pickens, his, uh, I don't know what, you, golfer, he was good. but He was like the sidekick. He was kind of like the idiotic sidekick uh, or something. Um, apparently, uh, the real Hedy Lamar. Thank you, Hedy, thank you. It's not Hedy, it's Hedley. Hedley Lamar. Not Hedley Lamar, but the actress Hedy Lamar threatened to sue over the use of that name. <laughs> oh, really? <She> did. <laughs> Not a good sense was, of humor there, huh? There was some settlement made. It said a small settlement. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found the movie to be like a series of uh, skits from like Saturday Night Live that were all kind of pasted together. I thought the same thing, except I, I, I didn't think Saturday Night Live. I thought of the Looney Tunes. It was like a series of live-action Looney Tunes skits to me. And there was one point where they even they even had some of the sound effects from a Looney Tunes cartoon. When It was after he uh, went into the saloon to take care of Mongo, and he, oh, delivered, right. he delivered that candy gram. And that was that scene, that whole scene, I expected to see Wiley e. Coyote or like the Roadrunner run by outside after he delivered that candy gram. As he went out the door. Yeah, that's right. I, that's, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, so there wasn't much of a amazing. story. I mean, the, the, the story, that, not that I expected there to be. I, I definitely didn't watch it for like the story or anything. But um, what I, what I, the, the biggest thing that I was kind of waiting for was in Young Frankenstein, they did such an outstanding job of, in a lot of ways, recreating those 1930s Universal Monster movies. And I think even during our podcast, I mentioned that you could take scenes out of that movie and 
if you edit it, edited them together, it could be a kind of a scary monster movie in some ways. And I, I, I didn't feel like this movie really pulled off the making fun of a West, like a real, like trying to really make a Western, but kind of like more subtly make fun of some of the tropes of a Western. I thought it was much more slapstick and much more kind of like you said, like skits put together to, you know, make a movie and kind of loosely tie the story together. Kind of in sequence, uh, when they're singing along, along the railroad track, first the African-American workers are singing, and then the cowboys are singing. I get no kick from champagne. Alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why should it be true that I get a belt out of you? Some get a kick from cocaine. Hold it, hold it, what the hell is that sh- I meant a song, a real song, something like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Swing Low, Chariot. Don't know that one, huh? Well, how about the Camp Town Ladies? The Camp Town Ladies. The Camp Town Ladies. Oh, you know. The Camp Town Ladies sing this song. Doo-dah, doo-dah. The Camp Town racetrack five miles long. All the doo-dah day. Wide, wide world of sports is going on here. And then Count Basie and his band are in the middle of the desert as, as the sheriff rides by on his horse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's one after another. Madeline Kahn was over the top. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome, come on in. Vigates, man of Shatsi. Ah, wow. For you. Oh, a wet rose. How romantic. Have a seat, Sheriff. Won't you excuse me for a moment while I slip into something a little bit more comfortable? Bitter, baby. Oh. Why don't you uh, loosen your bullets? She's—I really like her. She's really good, and I—I I know that she's just overacting, and in, 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 but she's doing it on purpose. I mean, that's that's her character. But did yeah. you did you notice that uh, in this movie and in Young Frankenstein, there was that elderly man in Young Frankenstein? He was on the cart, and Gene Wilder said, "Slip him a dollar for the experiment." Oh yeah. He was in this one as the uh, kind of the town goofball. They had, he would go off and kind of 
do prayers and that sort oh, of thing. Oh, he was like the, the town preacher or something. Yeah, yeah he was a preacher, yeah. yeah. Oh, but also a goofball. That's yeah, he was guy. an odd guy, yeah. But I, I was struck by the fact that everybody in that town was a Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> and, how, <laughs> and, the, and Howard Johnson's outhouse had an orange roof. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I never realized our relatives had been so popular and famous in <laughs> they had a all town. those things in the West. Uh, more, more like infamous than famous, maybe. You know, as I think about our going through it right now, we're doing the same thing the movie does. It's just all over the place. It's like we got dance numbers. Here I stand, the goddess of desire. Set men on fire, I have this power. Morning, noon, and night, it's drink and dancing. Some quick romancing, and then a shower. Stage door Johnny's constantly surround me. They always hound me with one request. Who can satisfy their lustful habit? I'm not a rabbit. I need some rest. I'm tired, sick, and tired of love. I've had my fill of love from below and above. Madeline Conway, we got Nazi soldiers going through. Yeah, I when, mean, they, when they're invading, near the end when they're invading the <laughs> fake town. I love how they <laughs> built the whole fake town in a night. And it, it, was, it got really, really weird near the end where they built the fake town, blew it up, and then cut to the other town, the real town, quote-unquote real town, and then they pull back and pan to the left, and they're in the studio lot. Right. And, and then they they cut to a whole other movie that's being filmed, and Dom DeLuise shows up, which I just love him. All right, cut! Wrong! Okay, just watch me. It's so simple, you sissy Marys. Give me the playback and watch me bang it. Throw out your hands, take out your tush, hands on your hips, give them a push. You'll be surprised you're doing the French mistake. Voila! Shit. Have you got it? Yes. yes. Sounds like steam escaping. Action! Okay, oh, wait till I get out. Wait till I get out. Okay. Playback. And he's the director, and then the fight, the fighting in the cowboy movie spills over into this other musical thing that they're doing, and then it spills over into the commissary, and they're doing a tour of the the lot, Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and then they they all come out, and Corman gets into a cab and says, <laughs> they go Get to me the Chinese Man Theater. <laughs> to watch Blazing Saddles and then it's right where they are in the movie and then he sees the sheriff pull up on his horse and he's like oh sh shoot and then he has to 
try to escape. It was just bizarre. It was bizarre. Then they they end the movie. The two Gene Wilder and and Cleavon Little are riding off, and then they stop and get into a Cadillac limousine and drive off. I'm like, this is really a, a bizarre movie. It, I mean, I enjoy it. It just uh, then I like when Mongo rides into town and he slugs the horse and knocks the horse out. And he's riding on top of a bull. <laughs> yeah, he's right on top of a and bowl. Then, I don't understand why. On the, but... on the back says yes and no. Yeah, what was the yes and no supposed to be? I didn't get that. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. One of the people that reviewed the movie said it was like the writers got together in a room and they just threw into the movie everything they thought of when they were having their uh, script sessions. Yeah, I guess I'll wait to talk about the things I didn't like about it, but um, I liked it when they when he first met Gene Wilder. I I just thought Gene Wilder's character was 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 good. I liked his backstory. But raise my rent. You are the kid. Was. Yeah, I was the kid. <coughs> well, what happened? Oh well, it got so that every pissant prairie punk who thought he could shoot a gun would ride into town to try out the Waco kid. I must have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille. Got pretty gritty. I started to hear the word draw in my sleep. Then one day, I was just walking down the street, and I heard a voice behind me say, Reach for it, mister. I spun around. And there I was, face to face. With a six-year-old kid. Well, I just threw my guns down and walked away. Little bastard shot me in the ass. So I limped to the nearest saloon, crawled inside a whiskey bottle, and I've been there ever since. He's so good. And then I didn't, and then, and then I never understood, like, did he get out of jail or he just became sort of like the deputy sheriff or the sheriff's buddy and they were working together, but I never really understood why, was he in jail because he was drunk or maybe that was it? I didn't. I think he was, I think he was in because he'd been drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the town was probably afraid of his reputation. Yeah. As a gunfighter. So I like that scene where they where they met. And I like the scene where <laughs> Madeline Kahn is sent in to try to seduce the sheriff and she <laughs> she turns off all the lights and and you she can't see what's going on and and then <laughs> Harvey uh Harvey Corman's character Headley knocks, knocks on the door like a minute after she's trying to get this whole thing started and says, Hi. Pardon me, I'll be back in a moment. God damn it. How's it going? It's like wet sauerkraut in my hands. By morning, he will be my slave. Splendid. Oh, just let me have a little feel. Yeah. Where were we? Where are you? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> He was he was he was so funny in that movie. I, he's a funny guy anyway. Oh, oh this, and this isn't in the order, but the, another funny scene that I liked was when we met the governor, played by Mel Brooks, 
and he was just a complete bozo. I mean, he, he couldn't have been more incompetent. He could barely sign his name. <laughs> All he wanted to do was stoop his secretary. <laughs> and then he shows up as the as the uh, chief uh, of the yeah. tribe. It's like, <laughs> oh, I tell you. Um, and then I, I guess, like uh, toward the end, I like the I. As bizarre as it was, I like that whole sequence where they kept they went from the fake town to the the real fake town to the studio lot to the other movie set to the commissary to the streets outside the studio to the to the movie theater and that whole thing was was funny. When I it first was, saw that in the theater up until, you know, that fake town was built, it was sort of holding together kind of in a weird way. I kept thinking it was going to get better, you know, and be more coherent. And then it goes to the end of that. It just went totally to a place I never expected in a movie. And I left the theater and I'm thinking, I was thinking to myself, I don't know what to make of this movie. I really don't. Do you remember in but, Young Frankenstein when they would look at the camera sometimes and they would make a yes. comment and they, they broke that, that plane, you know, between the pretend world of the movie and the real world of the audience and i feel like they did that in this movie they did there were parts where the actors would look at the at the at the camera and say something or or make a joke to the audience but then they kicked it up to the whole another level with with that whole like you're not really watching a western this isn't really real this is a movie and there's you know and they and they really sort of turned the whole thing on its head to say you know, all this, all these westerns and all these movies that you've been watching and you thought were so real, it was all just BS. And here's how, you know, here's what it really looked like when they were filming it. And I feel like it was a commentary on that perception of movie, of moviegoers that what they're watching on the screen is, is real, you know. Oh, I, I agree. I, the, our, this will be our first R rated podcast. When the uh, school teacher reads her letter to the governor, Whilst we listen to Harriet Van Johnson, our esteemed schoolmom, as she reads a telegram that she herself has composed to the governor, expressing our feelings about the new sheriff. To the Honorable William J. Lepedemy, Governor. I'm not used to public speaking. We, the white God-fearing citizens of Rock Ridge, wish to express our extreme displeasure with your choice of sheriff. Please remove him immediately. The fact that you have sent him here just goes to prove that you are the leading asshole in the state. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so that, so if I, okay, so those are, I told you, you, we talked about some of the things we liked. I gotta say right from the get-go, I was really put off with the way that they use the language and the N-word constantly. Yes. And I didn't realize that like the whole movie was based on this racial uh, prejudice between the white folks, pretty much all the white people except for uh, uh, Gene Wilder's character and the black 
people and the Chinese people and the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> they clumped clump the Irish into there too, and I had a hard time reconciling that. And I kind of, I, I was trying to think of why they did it, and I guess it, it's just to try to really uh, show how kind of awful that was. But at the same time, it was hard to watch for me. Well, it, it's not unlike some of the other movies that he's made, like uh, Springtime for Hitler, the song Springtime for Hitler and, yeah. and the producers. He he uh, he wasn't afraid to... I'm sure that he must have had some really lively discussions with the studio about how far they could take this. I don't I don't I don't feel like I'm being like prudish about it. It's just unexpected. I didn't I don't I didn't remember that part of the movie from when I watched it originally and I wasn't expecting it. So when I saw it and heard it, it kind of threw me off a little bit. Well, in my world in 1974, the use of that language was was uh very seldom in Denver and Boulder. I mean, where I lived, that would have been shocking if somebody talked that way. In, in, in where I lived and, and what I was doing. So, but what did you, uh, what did you, think, it, what did you think about it when you when you saw the movie originally in the theater? Do you remember being? Oh, I was I was totally surprised by that and shocked. Yeah. yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I left the theater at the end of the movie, not quite knowing what to make of it all. I mean, it had so much stuff in it. It was just amazing to me, and because I, I took the, peop- the, the people that didn't seem to have that problem were like. Uh, Gene Wilder's character, and then Mongo didn't seem to care one way or the other. Of course, he was kind of like barely human. Uh, and then at the end, after the town is threatened and Headley is going to hire like every conceivable Western slash cliche bad guy character that he can name. All right. I'm through being Mr. Goodbar. The time has come to act and act quickly. All of my plans have backfired. Instead of the people leaving, they're staying in droves. Why don't you admit it? He's too much of man for you, I know. You're gonna need an army to beat him. You're finished. Fatic, verfallen, verlumped, verblungent, verkackt, verfaden of England. You're Teutonic twat. I must think. Wait a minute, wait a minute. She said army. Of course. An army of the worst dregs ever to soil the face of the West. Taggart. Yes, sir? I've decided to launch an attack that will reduce Rock Ridge to ashes. What do you want me to do, sir? I want you to round up every vicious criminal and gunslinger in the West. Take this down. I want rustlers, cutthroats, murderers. Bounty hunters, desperados, mugs, pugs, thugs, nitwits, halfwits, dimwits, vipers, snipers, con men, Indian agents, Mexican bandits, muggers, buggerers, bushwhackers, horn swagglers, horse thieves, bull dykes, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and Methodists! <laughs> Could you repeat that, sir? Uh, then all the townsfolk are kind of on his side again and, and nice to him. So I wondered if there was some what what if there was any like message there about you know them being nice to him all of a sudden or I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to read too much into it. I think it's one of those where he just put everything in there 
because that's what he wanted to do as a director. And uh, what I didn't what I didn't care for in the movie is the fact that it was so many unconnected things going on. A toll booth? They're going through a toll booth coming into town. I mean, it's yeah. just it's bizarre. And then uh, I forget which of the characters turns to the town folks. They want to build this town overnight, and and the character and the actor says, "Well, you do it for Randolph Scott." I mean, they're just bizarre things coming in and out of right Which and left field. And is another in joke, like referencing Western yeah. movies and there were so in, many in the Western movie. Yeah. So um, I, I, I still. You know, this is bizarre because I still give it an eight out of ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet it's like maybe maybe that's too high. I, although I went back and looked at what I'd rated Young Frankenstein, and I gave it a ten out of ten. Well, I think, you know, I've been thinking about our rating scale, and it, you know, if a five was just an average sort of run-of-the-mill movie that you could... If you saw it in a theater, you'd be like, oh, you know, maybe I wish I hadn't wasted my money on that. Or it might be something that is a made-for-cable movie that is just, you know, it's 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 okay, but you nothing that you're going to really remember. That, that, to me, that'd be, that, to me, would be a five. Isn't that what we gave Witness to Murder? I think we gave it a six, but... Did we give it a six? Anyway, if I could go back, funny. I... I'd re I'd revise my uh, I'd give it a five if I could go back. Um, so a ten would be you know like Young Frankenstein. I think it's it's just a classic. It's gonna live on for a long long time and it'll still be good fifty years from now. Uh, this one I don't feel has aged as well. I I definitely think it's better than the average and there and you know the the music was great. The cinematography was well done. The directing was. And you know the framing of of it was well put together, but I felt like it was more an exercise in how many different ways can we be funny within the scope of kind of making fun of westerns and and to me that just didn't hold together as well as how can we you know with young Frankenstein it was more like how can we take these tropes and kind of turn them at an angle and make them funny but still be true to the genre, you know? And uh, to me, it didn't quite work. So I'd give it a seven. It's a little bit kind of between uh, an average and a, and a real classic. So to me, I'd I would add seven. to what you just said that all the things you just said, I would add, I think they also, uh, everybody involved in the movie wanted to shock the audience. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's yeah, so much stuff point. in it. Yeah, you're and right. It's interesting this movie did better in the box office than Young Frankenstein. That doesn't surprise me, actually. I, I could see why, because it's sort of like the movie that just came out that uh, Seth MacFarlane did. That, oh, right, right. And I, I think that it, you know, the the what's funny about that movie is that it's just uh, one sort of over-the-top gag and shocking joke after another. And I think that that movie is sort of, you know, the descendant of Blazing Saddles. It's it's within the Western genre and it's a comedy and I and it's just one skit. It's sort of like skits put together as far as I can tell from what I know about. It. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say too much about it. But well, the thing about I, I would probably agree. I haven't seen it yet either. But what I've read about it is that it is sort of a descendant from that Blazing Saddles movie. Uh, and Seth uh, is it Seth MacFarlane? Yeah. Have you seen the movie Ted? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, inappropriate. 
and, and, and all kinds of things all over the place. But the thing about Blazing Saddles, uh, it makes a movie like Airplane, which came out several years later, seem kind of tame in terms of the language and all. Yeah. Compared to Blazing yeah. Saddles or even Police Academy or some of those. I mean, they have they have some scenes, but... But I, I would attribute that to Mel Brooks, though. I, I really yes. feel like Mel Brooks, besides being a great director, I think he always had sort of a social agenda behind his movies. It wasn't just a movie that he was making. He had a message that he was trying to get across. Oh, totally, yeah. And, and you know, Airplane or Police Academy, I think, were more just straight comedy movies. They, they, I don't think there was a real message behind those movies to any extent. Just to have a good time. Well, um, I guess are we kind of wrapped up? We, I think our, I think our uh, review has been as uh, kind of uh, disjointed somewhat like a movie. We've been all over. Well, we could go through it chronologically, but I don't think it's going to help anybody understand the movie any more than what we just talked about. <laughs> Sure you just have to watch it. it and get your own impression from it, I guess. It's it's just it's it to me it's like a live action Looney Tune cartoon with some some really racially hard hitting kinds of language and and uh behavior from the characters that I felt I was totally. I was uncomfortable with and that was probably on purpose. Uh, I probably was supposed to be uncomfortable with it. Uh so that's that's great. I mean I think he accomplished what he was trying to do there. So, uh, so you give it an eight, and I give it a seven, and uh, I don't think we're going to break this into two episodes. I don't think there's enough there to no. go on that, that long. But uh, next time, in two weeks, we're going to talk about a, a, a B movie. I think we could call it a B B science fiction movie, although maybe B plus. B plus, yeah, maybe B plus. It's a Fantastic Voyage from 20th Century Fox, and uh, we've we've both already watched it, so we're ready to go on that one. Uh, but we'll wait to talk about it in any kind of detail for our next podcast. I just wanted to mention two things. Uh, it's from our the 20th Century Fox, which it seems like most of our movies have been. I'm not, I'm not sure why that is. <clears throat> and secondly, I enjoyed it. I did too. I did too. As, <laughs> although I again wondered if the filmmakers were on some kind of like acid trip while they were making it, <laughs> similar to parts of this movie, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Well, with uh, that, right? Uh, <laughs> we we wrap up our we'll wrap uh, podcast up. for this time. Yeah. All right. So until uh, next time, I'm Matt Johnson uh, coming to you from sunny Seattle, Washington. And I'm Bob Johnson in sunny Los Angeles, and. We'll see you uh, next time. Until then, happy movie watching. <laughs>